0: This video podcast series is gonna cover some of the uh, modern day issues that people face. And these are some of the things that in the 12 months Unstoppable has been going, uh, that we've been tackling. And these are subjects of mental health, which is prevalent unfortunately in today's society. Mm -hmm. We've got obesity, diabetes, all the food related issues and illnesses um, and just general bad habits, bad choices, and bad lifestyle. Today, we're gonna to start the podcast series by looking at myself, um, the creator of Unstoppable Mindset, and I'm hopefully gonna give you an insight to my journey from the very start of my career, and um, and the rise of my career, and the fall of my career, and now, once again, the rise. The main man that's gonna be doing the interviewing and answer, asking the questions <laughs> is, my very good friend mark brooks who is the man behind all the video imagery which is absolutely amazing and uh, he he runs the epic company brooks studios yeah
1: the man who's normally behind the camera but unfortunately on this occasion i'm going to be in front of it uh, <laughs> but anyway so how did you get involved in in the fitness industry to begin with um well that's a mad one really because i wasn't into fitness at
0: all um certainly not cardiovascular fitness. There'd always been a bit of dabbling from a young age, bit of boxing here and there, mm-hmm. you know, watching the Rocky films, going out and running, <laughs> but not serious. I can't ever say that I was serious. Um, so finding my way into it is a funny one because obviously pre, um, you know, pre going into the industry, sort of two, two to three years before, you know, was where I was at my worst in terms of my lifestyle. When I left school, I shortly found my way into into raving and drug taking and um, all I did was you know fund that so I would do any job Mm. uh, necessary um, jobs that I didn't like really care about wasn't passionate about just to earn the money to Mm -hmm. to fund that lifestyle which I absolutely thrived on and loved
1: yeah Um, there's so many of us who you know go down that
0: road absolutely absolutely yeah it's not it's not an uncommon thing at all And I'm certainly not unique in that respect. Mm. Um, It 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 got hold of me very very quickly in terms of what it did to my mental health. And understand, when I was like 18, there wasn't no one was talking about mental health. It wasn't really a known thing. Um, So I started to notice, obviously, moods changing from 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 you know from a young age. Um, And certainly between 18 to 19, there was a serious noticeable change in myself. And I knew, obviously, I was starting to. Kind of deteriorate mentally but would not acknowledge it in any way. Um, I certainly wouldn't be prepared to change anything because I loved you know I love taking drugs and I loved going out raving and that's what yeah. I loved to do when I got to the age of 19 um, that was when it really took effect and uh, started to uh, build serious uh, low self-esteem and, and uh, self-image issues. so I was very conscious about the way I looked, my weight at the time. Um, and all those issues combined with come down after come down from nights out, crazy nights out, led to a, a downfall and an attempted suicide at the age of 19, which was, uh, as far as I was aware at the time, a, a kind of serious attempt. But fortunately, um, you know, nothing bad happened, just got very, very ill, I suppose. And um, shortly after that, uh, I started to try and look after myself but found my way into a bodybuilding gym and that was all I knew at the time. And my friends were doing it. They'd be on on at me yeah. for a long time to to say, like, Tom, come to the gym. And I was like, no, you're all right. I would be at home <laughs> smoking a joint. Yeah. Um, so but I got into it. But again, because of the way I was and because of the, the, Im, the, the self-image issues I had, it was obviously a gym and I was surrounded by steroids and I was a skinny lad trying to make myself look good. Yeah wasn't long before a circle of, you know, my circle of friends and some of the people that I was in were doing it's it, offered very it to me. It's easy thing to fall into. A hundred percent. Again, I mean, back then it was, it was, um, not the done thing, but people were doing it. But now, I mean, it's crazy. Young boys everywhere are doing it. It's so, mm. it's commonplace now, which is scary, especially knowing what I know about it, which obviously I'll, I'll discuss later. But, um, yeah, it, that got hold of me um, also very quickly. So, the, re- the reason, obviously, um, you know, I'm, I'm obviously bringing up that is because, again, that was my only training background. Yeah. It wasn't um, a healthy training background. So, to find my way into the health and fitness industry when I didn't really know anything about health and I didn't know anything about fitness yeah. was quite a strange one. But my mum. Um, I, w- I got made redundant. I had a job, I got made redundant at the time. And um, it was my mum that just handed me a magazine and uh, said, what about this? And I looked at it, it was about becoming a fitness instructor. I didn't even know what a fitness instructor was. <laughs> there certainly wasn't any at the gym I trained at. No. It was spit and sawdust. So yeah, looked up and um, enrolled on the course and, and that
1: was that. All right, so where did you, um, where did you go from there? You, you know, You do your course you know you're still a personal trainer today so you know how many years is that <laughs> without giving away your yeah age. yeah yeah, yeah no, no that's cool
0: yeah I was <laughs> a young man when I started put it that way but to stay in
1: that job for or into that industry for a certain amount yeah, of time yeah yes
0: but you know it was it, I didn't expect it to be a life-changing career and it absolutely has been a life-changing career mm. that's that that looking back now it's incredible really that that one day I remember it so clearly in the kitchen my mum handed me a magazine for it to for it to make so much impact on my life, and actually now make so much impact on other people's lives, is actually yeah. crazy when you look at the whole story.
1: But because it's a total flip from going from drug taking, oh god, gotcha. and then flipping around to the fitness industry.
0: Exactly, exactly. And I was ready to stop, and I was looking for a reason to stop. And if I'm honest, that the reason I did kind of rein it in was was because of the birth of my first daughter. Jaden, that obviously calmed me down a lot. And then obviously that coincided actually with me joining the fitness industry. So she was kind of born at the same time I was qualified. So it was kind of like a perfect combination and a saving grace for me. Mm -hmm. Um, However, the the fitness industry didn't keep me completely safe. You know, Mm -hmm. I was, was, that was the person I was. And as much as I tried to suppress it um, it was in me to, to, you know, that background of wanting to do steroids, which which had stopped when I became a fitness instructor, to be honest. But the, the drug side of things, it was always there. It was always in me. But, I, so you didn't you, give
1: up the lifestyle? Of-
0: I, I, I I gave it up because I had no choice. I had I had young ch- a child um, and then eventually, obviously, more. Um, we didn't go out that much, didn't have much money. I'd, I kind of had cut myself off from all that circle right. of friends. So I, I was safe. But there was times when it would that I would find a way to to do It'd drugs. Or, of course, it would, <laughs> yeah. And that's what happens. But I totally embraced the career though from from early on. Um, uh, I, I loved learning. You know, when I very mm. first came qualified, I loved learning about how the body worked. That got me gripped initially. Mm-hmm. Uh, then when I got my first job at the Riverbourne Health Club in Chertsey, which was an amazing club at the time, I was very fortunate to work with some great trainers. One especially being Paul Roberts. Who, uh, who has got his own business um, uh, currently and is doing very well. So I learned a lot from those guys, but the, the biggest learning experience for me was being a watcher and a listener of just people. So although I was qualified to be a personal trainer, I didn't actually do any paid personal training for over a year and a half oh. because... I actually found people This is in the health club? Yeah, yeah. So, so what when you, I was in what when, was I, you when I was doing in the health clubs if you're not personal So training? Well, but you just we was a fitness instructor. Oh, okay. So a fitness doing instructor at that and time and I, I'm I know things are changing now because pure gyms, they don't you know, everything is changing, but at that time it was a process of you would write a program for someone that came right that was new. Um And then through me asking questions and started to realize that there was a lot of psychological involved because, you know, people were coming to me, even at that stage, with issues. They weren't, you know, people were coming to get fit and get healthy because they weren't fit and healthy. Mm -hmm. And now if you look behind just that general thing of someone not being healthy and fit, there's issues there. There could be just low self-esteem and bad confidence and weight issues and all sorts of things. So I was always aware of, of kind of that from an early on stage and then that's what helped me to learn and I think now running my own business that early on experience helps me deal it's
1: with the interaction old, with a lot of people of course helps, right?
0: of course yeah. yeah interaction with all different ages and and just understanding understanding why people get themselves in a rut because I certainly have got myself into a rut many times, which is why I think I can relate so much, especially in in right now in the current climate, mm-hmm. um, because I'm not I'm not a fitness guru as no. such, in the sense that I've I've lived a very very bad lifestyle. So. Yeah.
1: But what, so where did you go from? You, you've gone from working in the health clubs uh, to to venturing out on your own. So how did how did that happen? How did that come about?
0: Well, that that came about. I think it was about two years after my second job, which was the Thames Club. The Thames Club was a brand new club opening at Staines Football Ground. It was, at the time, it was built to be like a, you know, it was gonna be a big thing, but unfortunately it wasn't really designed and run that well, so it kind of didn't last that long. But I had my job in there. I worked with another great guy called Gary Keemish who runs Fresh Gym in Shepperton, And um, we had a great relationship and done real good things there. Um, but what happened is obviously, you know, for me, it was getting stale. I, I, I was quite heavily into personal training then. And again, still learning and very enthusiastic about the job. Mm-hmm. But I think I was at a time and I was kind of looking for a fresh challenge. And it was a, a an ex client of mine who, who actually joined the Thames club, um, yep. who was, a, who, who was a friend also, we became friends as you do with some clients. It gets very personal.
1: Yeah.
0: A guy called Scott Dale. And, um, yeah, he, he approached me about uh, a machine called the power plate, which at yeah. the time, in all credit to him, was not known by anyone, but he'd mm-hmm. seen it somewhere. And he said, I want you to come to London, see this machine. Um, it's going to be the next big thing. And I want you to run a business and we'll, we'll open loads of chains and we'll, we'll be worldwide. <laughs> make, make millions. Yeah, 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 yeah literally. <laughs> Literally, that's what it was. Like, we'll make millions and that's it. And I was like, I'm up for making millions. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm down this, for this that. This
1: time next year would be a million. That's basically exactly what
0: it was. So um, so with the money side of thing, obviously, you know, he, he did obviously drop that in, but I thought, yeah, a fresh challenge, you know, bring something new to the market. So didn't obviously say yes. I said, I'll come to London, look at it first, see what I think. And I did actually really like it. You know, there was a lot of science behind it at the time that yeah. I was told by the kind of the manufacturers. But obviously, me being me, I never take anything for gospel—you know—for for gospel truth. I did a bit of research behind what they were kind of saying about how vibration stimulates certain parts of your nervous system and so on. And you increasing- had one of
1: those in. Um- I remember we just training when you had just That's training right. uh, stains. Yeah, in jersey, in jersey. Yeah, you had one of those in your workout. That's there. right. So is that how did, is that how it all came about? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. So basically, obviously, we, we we had we'd done the research on it. I I I found that it was you know it did have some use and I was quite excited by it and um, I thought you know let's give it a shot hmm. um, and we opened up a little um, a little well we didn't open it we got a room in a tanning shop, which was the most awful place to work. As you can imagine, tanning shops are quite uh, hot. So we had a, a tiny little room, which had the space for the power plate to be in and a meter stand and a, and a till to obviously take money. And that was it. And I was in there for 18 months. And over the course of the 18 months, we had client after client, everyone was obviously buzzing about this power plate machine. And I would just literally stand there <laughs> in this tiny little room and watch people squat on it and do nothing. And for 18 months, I did that. And I learned a hell of a lot of skills in that 18 months. Because as you can imagine, no music, no yep. nothing, just standing there trying to motivate someone for 30 minutes and keep it entertaining with nothing to do, no kit but that one machine. So after the 18 months stint, we um, we tried to get a premises to open a studio, but it didn't work out. And um, we done a bit of feedback, um, like sort of sorry, research by asking people, what do you want? If we opened a facility, what would you want? And some of the things they talked about were time. They loved the power plate machine, but they said, yeah, we'd like more variation. Mm -hmm. So uh, me and Scott, we sat and we talked a lot about the industry as a whole and and slowly came up with this idea of an ultimate workout, which was basically like a a certain disciplined circuit. So you'd Mm -hmm. have various different disciplines and you'd keep going around it. Now, what you got to understand is back in 2005, six, when we were doing this, there was no one else Doing it. There were no boot camps around at that time that yeah. we knew of. And um, so we came up with this from scratch. You know, this was this was an idea that was accumulated through speaking with people and 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 just looking at the flaws of, of the gym, uh, looking at the flaws of personal training, what people didn't like about classes, what they did like, and we put it all together yeah. into this format. And um the name Just Train actually came about, and I can't even take credit for that name. It was actually uh, Scott who threw that in at the time. And he said, well, well let's just call it train because that's all you're going to do yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, yeah, I like that. It's just simple. Just <coughs> just train. Just, just get on with it. And that was kind of the philosophy at the time, right? You're just going to come to us and just get on with it. So... That's exactly what happened. We moved actually to his yard, opened up this Just Train facility, which was just a shack at the time. We had a couple of small little posters on the wall, but it worked and it worked magic to be honest at first. We had the power plate. We had a machine called the Grappler, which I found like researching in London, looking Mm -hmm. for different things. I found this machine called the Grappler, which was another really easy to use, vicious bit of kit actually that that used to to get everyone at the time. and a running machine, and some free weights. And we just had people looping around these circuits, bit of pumping music, and and it was just one to four. That's all it was, we had a room, just one, me, and four people, and that's all we had space for. It grew so quickly, we ended up knocking through into another room, which fortunately he let me do, and... um. And then basically expanded it. Um, after a short while, we kind of parted ways. There was a, you know, it wasn't kind of working with us both and, and Scott wasn't feeling it as much at the time. Um, you know, but it was no hard feelings. He oh. kind of just, he kind of yeah. stepped aside and then I took it on as my baby and just kept developing well, it and developing coming, it.
1: I think the first time I came down was 2011 or 2012. Yeah. When it was... That was when it had the frame, private. right? Yeah, you had to frame. Yeah, see, I that's I when it really started. To... Four punch bags.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's it. And that was when it was for one to twelve. I had yeah.
1: twelve. Uh, capacity. I remember coming down, you know, doing some weights and stuff in the gym, a little bit of exercise. Think, yeah, I'm fit. You know, what's this? What's this here? You know, yeah, this thing. Within about three minutes, I felt like puking. Yeah, that's door, it. <laughs> I actually funny up. you say
0: that. Funny you say that because I had this guy. I was advertising at the time because I marketed. I marketed it as a twenty-four minute workout. And I had this guy, martial arts guy, ring me up and say, hang on a minute, like I'm not really too sure about this because we used work. to warm up for 24 <laughs> minutes, not work out. I said, look, listen, look, it's hard session. It's very thorough. Yeah. Obviously, we did have our little warm up at the start, but the workout 24 minutes, come down, try it out. If, you, if it's not for you, it's not for you. And obviously, you know, same thing. Guy with an ego turns up 24 minutes, gives it after
1: four minutes. Yeah, I've he, seen that when, you know, yeah, attending your classes, people rocking up, and you yeah. can hear them talking. You know, hear you talking to them, asking them what they've, you know, what they've done. Yeah, and like, you know, yeah, yeah, I'm fit. And yeah, yeah, this won't be a problem. And they try and keep up with um, someone next to them. That's and, right. You know, could be a middle aged lady, which yeah, they, so they think, you know, yeah. young lad, think, well, I, I should better do this better than her. And absolutely, it wasn't working the, out the, that exactly. Way. <laughs> yeah, and the guys
0: are the worst, really, because everyone's the biggest egos. So, but um, what people will never f- fully appreciate, and maybe more so now, because what I do is now not so unique in the sense that there is a lot of types of, of this kind of style, but I still stand behind what I do as one being an original, and um, it's it's just so thorough in the sense that in one workout you cover so many different things. And even as good as CrossFit is, I still believe that there's more movements in in one um in one session with me, but they are more applicable for everybody mm-hmm. because my my ages vary. I mean, I've had, I think my eldest has been up at around seventy. Um, quite frequently, had age groups have been their sixties. So I kind of always envisaged it when I when I when I first created it. I thought, okay, I'm going to design the workout based on an overweight, unfit person, yeah. and I'm going to look at the movements that I know they can do, and then that's what I'm going to predominantly do mm-hmm. because I know that any movement can be performed at a high standard. So that, that's, you know, someone that's super fit, they can do a basic movement very, very fast and explosively. Yeah. And an unfit person will do that basic move just a little bit lighter. So mm-hmm. it was very universal. And I just, for, from that, from the very start, I've always had yeah. such a mixed, mixed level, which has been great.
1: And then ended up underwater that's
0: right yeah so yeah that was it and we that destroyed I, yeah absolutely i thought that was it for the whole just so When remember that was the floods we had in that was
1: 2014 the surrey floods as they called yeah. it i think um, yep that, that was completely flooded you out and it almost looked like business was over
0: yeah it was done um i actually stood in in the gym that morning and just watched water pouring in the walls literally, and watched the gym just fill up, and I lost the business within about three hours. Yep. at that time, it was funny actually, at that time because I was very I was very flat at the time, actually in my career. It wasn't really going anywhere, and um
1: to so kind of hit a, a brick wall anyway. I
0: had, and it was down to me because again, there was a lot of things going on behind the scenes. What, what people never ever will realize is that as motivating as I have been in the past, um, and as on the ball as what I may have seen, behind the scenes, there was a there was a man in turmoil. Mm-hmm. And I was in turmoil because I, I felt like such a fake for so many years mm-hmm. because it was kind of probably midway through the whole Just Train thing, when the business started, that steroids found their way back into my life again. And I wasn't a bodybuilder and I wasn't using them to be to be really big. I didn't want that. Um, I just was using them because I had such an issue with my weight. Mm-hmm. And, th- and that was always plaguing my whole career all the time because yeah. I loved fitness and I kept trying to do running and I kept trying to do a lot of fitness, but I just couldn't do it because I'd always lose weight. And that would just drive me insane. So I'd start eating and binge eating on crap food and so on and so on. So... I was so distracted by all of that crap that I wasn't really even running the business. I was consumed in myself. I was consumed in myself and my issues and trying to look a certain way and be a certain way. And obviously there was just still drugs filtering in and out of my life, recreational drugs as well. I just, I felt like a fake. I didn't feel like the trainer that people were looking up to. Yeah. Um, people will ask me questions about how do I be healthy? How, you know, how do I get healthy? How do I eat well? And I, I just felt like a no, fake
1: because no, I, was, I wasn't doing it. I was almost, well, I was guided when um, you first told me that you, you, know, you yeah. were taking testosterone. Uh, yeah, that's it. That's it. Yeah. I was like, oh. Yeah. You know, I, yeah. I think as a real. lot of clients would do, and you know, yeah. I wasn't, you know, I'm familiar with yeah. all that stuff anyway, yeah. but it was like, yeah. Oh, really? I thought yeah. it was like. Genuine. Just genuine. Yeah, exactly. You know, it, is there actually a way to do this naturally, or is it all, yes. all hidden? Um and that's what I, you know. That's yeah,
0: that's and, how that, I felt. and and that's how I felt, and that's exactly how I felt, and that's why I was so bothered by it because that's how I felt. I I wasn't I wasn't that sort of person that was uh, proud of what I was doing. Mm. I never I would never have t- I would never have endorsed it to anyone really, um, you know. And um, it, it, yeah, it just bothered me. It was it was a it, it was an absolute um, head trip from the whole time um, that I did it. So you carried it, those bad
1: choices over to, to I, this place into the Well ba-
0: place, yeah right? basically that that was like i say that that had plagued the later part of of my career so i wasn't running a business correctly the gym got flooded i looked at everything in and, and, and it was all just gone in in this, in literally hours and but for the first time in a long time it just fired me up mm-hmm. and i thought no 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 i'm not letting this go no way i'm going to i'm going to fight this out so there was no gym, no premises. I um literally started training people in fields. Lucky for me, my clients are absolutely amazing, so loyal,
1: and they. Oh, I hung remember in. that, but I just didn't turn up. It was too cold. <laughs> yeah, that's it.
0: <laughs> yeah, some people were obviously the running and that in the fields weren't for them. But I had a hired out hall a couple of times in Chertsey, and we just ticked it over. And luckily, my dad drove past this place in Ashford. He said, "Look, check this place out." We spoke to the guy. Um, and they had plans to knock it down in three, four years. So mm. they were like, literally, you can have it. Throwing it away. Obviously. Literally. Um, so I was like, oh, that's meant to be. I had um, a guy, a client of mine come around, check it out, and see what you think. And I said, Yeah, this could work. And we just went for it. So it was literally lost the gym, got flooded. Two months later, it was open, business was booming straight away, which was a great thing. Mm. Um And in terms of what you're saying there about bad choices, choices that was all still there. Mm. So I was fired up with this place. But again, slowly, but surely my bad habits and bad choices started to take a hold in, in a much more devastating way this time. I had a lot of stuff going on at the time of, of launching this. I'd only really recently split up with my ex mm-hmm. and went through a very, very hard first year uh, of that, which really set me um, set me back in, in terms of how I was dealing with uh, the, the trauma for me. It was at the time of not seeing my children, mm-hmm. which was actually devastating mm. and heartbreaking. And I couldn't deal with the pain and the only way I could to be to turn up at work and to, and to basically be able to manage my job and to manage life and to be the Mr. Motivator that everybody wanted mm-hmm. every single day. I had to take drugs, um, you know, regularly. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't every day, but I definitely was using them every single every weekend. weekend to completely <laughs> switch off um, and when I first started this job, you got to understand now my lifestyle was, was pretty bad. I was drinking mm-hmm. a lot. I was still taking steroids. I was taking drugs every weekend without fail. Um, and, and that slowly became to, um, it filtered into the week. Mm-hmm. Um, so drugs started to then become into the, in, filter into the week. I was also, uh, consuming a lot of caffeine and Red Bull during the day and combining that with, um with an over the counter prescription, which um, had a bit of a combination effect, which gave a, a pep up for me in a day. So it was just nonstop. I was getting problems with my heart, um, yeah. serious problems mentally, depression was really kicking in. Um, I can't say that anxiety was, was really bad at that time, but it, it was more sort of, for me, it was anger. Yeah. I had a serious amount of anger. And what was making it worse is that I was having to turn up here every single day and smile yeah. and be animated when oh, I didn't want to do it. I just mm-hmm. didn't feel animated. I w- it w- that was actually hurting me um, just to do
1: that. I there was once, I, I'm always early for every class, and I think there's one day I, I turned up and you you just looked, like I didn't think you was going to be able to take the class. Mm. You, you looked like you were just going to break down in tears. Mm. And literally the next person turned up, you snapped it into gear. And I'm, I, I was training and I'm watching you like, a total mask over what i've just seen at the very beginning mm. before you know before Absolutely. anyone else walked walk through that door yeah
0: um i abs- I, a- I actually um I actually mastered the art of that to be honest um i actually mastered it but it was draining it was very draining and actually i learned down the line uh from a therapist that um Because of my self-medicating ways, in the back of my mind, I was getting through the days always knowing, I had an an excitement knowing that at the end of the day, I was gonna basically do some cocaine, I was gonna drink some alcohol. So I knew I was gonna be able to switch off from it. Mm -hmm. So I knew I had to just get through them eight hours, being Mr. Motivator, being Mr. Happy, when I was anything but happy. Mm -hmm. I was so angry, so sad, so upset, so ashamed. You know, all these negative emotions were inside. That I was like, okay, just get through the day. You got a grammar coke there. As soon as you finish work, do that wicked drink, and that was just
1: getting me through every single week. Um, and then you, uh, all of a sudden, you—I think you had—you had someone employed, and it was doing a few of your classes. And then all of a sudden, no one see you, and it went all quiet. Like I remember trying to get hold of you. And I guess someone else had your phone, and it was like tom's unavailable and it that's kind right. of all went there yeah. and uh at the time i was having some of my own problems and i kind of wondered if, if it was mentally health-based not on the extreme that yeah you were going through but yeah. i kind of wondered if well, that was what it was and obviously about two months later it, I, I speak with you and it all comes to light you know with what uh so you know what had happened um yeah, I mean which was <laughs>
0: Yeah. Well, I mean basically what happened you you mentioned the guy that was working for me he had just um left. Um so I was left back on my own at a time when I really just didn't want to be on my own. So I was getting I was getting some time off with him being there which was kind of helping me survive a little bit. After he left that ended and I was back doing the six days a week mm-hmm. with the bad lifestyle with all the problems. And it just didn't last long and um I'd actually got to a point where I was really feeling my body and my mind deteriorating through the steroids and through the drugs. I was getting very teary. I was noticing a, 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 a depression, a deeper depression starting to come over me. That again, I think I was hiding even from my fiance, I was hiding it from my children who I was seeing again at that time, obviously I was, I was, they were back in my life. I was hiding it from everybody, hiding it from my, my parents, who I was actually living with on and off as well. And um, obviously all the hiding and the burying it down, obviously just, yeah, one day I suppose took its toll. I, I got though, b- before the actual, that, that horrible day, um, I actually, a week before that, I decided to just stop everything. I'd had enough, I'd had enough of steroids. Uh, I'd had, I was sick and tired of seeing needles. I was injecting needles into myself. Once or twice a week, every week, and I had done for three years straight, mm. relentlessly, without a single break or once a break. Jeez, and and you're
1: supposed to cycle.
0: You're stuff exactly, like that, right? and exactly. Take and and i when you're coming off. Exactly. And you're not doing none of that. No, no, I was doing none of that. And I and I'd sit, and I'd sought medical advice. I'd been to the hospital. They didn't really have any answers for me. They stayed. the one thing they did advise me against was just to stop. Mm. They said your hormones will be so Bruin. messed up. Screwed, yeah. That basically, if you stop, you're gonna, you're gonna notice, you're gonna, you're gonna be in trouble. But I didn't know any other way, and at that time, I just thought I just can't do this anymore, and I just chucked it all. I literally threw it all, or um, the majority of it all away. I know the needles and everything. I I chucked away. I think I might have had some tablets still laying around in the car. Stopped that. Recreational drugs, obviously. I mean, I didn't stop. I just for a week, obviously. I decided, right, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna quit. You know, you got to bear in mind, I, I'm cut at that time as well. I'd had about three or four stays in hospital with heart issues through mm-hmm. cocaine as well. So that was obviously driving my decision to want to stop. Um, as you think would be logical, after one hospital stay, you'd yeah, stop. No. But for me, it took about four mm-hmm. hospital stays before I contemplated stopping. Um, and um, one week later, from knocking everything on the head and I do put this down predominantly, and I must stress predominantly to the steroids, definitely. I deteriorated massively. I was crying every single day. Mm -hmm. I was so um, uh, just distraught. And um, it's, uh, it's hard to talk about, to be honest, because it's something that I brush under the carpet even now, I don't necessarily think I've ever dealt with it because it was just so traumatic. Mm. Um, and uh, it's really hard to talk about, but... I um, I just deteriorated. I remember going home and um, getting ready for work. I'd been out... No, I-, I went home to have a shower. I was at my dad's house and something was wrong with me and I couldn't quite figure it out. I was uh, looking in the mirror, something that I'd done years ago when I was 19, and I was obsessing with myself, criticizing myself. You're no good, criticizing everything about me, the way I looked. Um, And it was making me really, really angry. And um, this really vile anger came over me, almost poisonous anger, Um, if anyone, that's watching has ever experienced anger just on a basic level. You know how distracting it can be, but this was on another level. It was very dark and very destructive feeling anger. And um, I uh, I left the house and I had to get a t-shirt for work. I started at five, it must've been about three o'clock and I went to Windsor. And um, I just remember having really tunnel vision. I couldn't really hear properly. And I just kept thinking, "What the f- what the fuck is wrong? Mm. Uh, something is seriously, seriously wrong with me. Um, but I thought, just get on with it. you got work at five, just get on with it. Mm-hmm. Just get on with it. And um, went to the clothes shop, got a t-shirt and then thought I'll have some sushi. <laughs> I was hungry, I thought I'll have some sushi. Um, still had time for food, yeah? Even though I was angry. So I went into this sushi place and I just remember standing there. And that was it, <laughs> I just stood there. Guy says, you all right? I said, I'm all right. Didn't know what I was doing in there. Just stood there and stood there. Must have been in there. I don't really actually know how long I was been there, but I just remember walking straight back out after the guy asking me about two, three times, are you all right?
1: Hmm.
0: Then um, I got back to the car and I was like, again, just going in my head going again and again. What the hell? what's wrong, Tom? Something's wrong with you. Something is seriously wrong. I couldn't work it out. It was just. Focused on getting to work, loyal to the end. Mm -hmm. I wanted to be there and open up my business. And you must understand that throughout my whole career, if I wasn't at work, it was something serious. So I was still trying to get to work and I got to the door. I put the key in the door, walked in and um, stood around for like about three minutes staring into space. And then um, I just, I just left, got in the car, I turned my phone off and drove. And the moment I did that, the moment I turned the phone off and uh, got in the car, I felt the calmness come over me straight away. I just shut myself off from everybody. Mm. No one was gonna get me anymore. I Mm -hmm. was gone. In my head at that time, I was gone and I was never coming back. What that meant, I didn't really know. Uh, in my mind, at the time, I, I was going to just drive um, to the to the coast. Don't know why, but that's what I was going to do. And I was driving in my car, and I just again I felt relaxed. I thought, thank God, no I don't want to speak to anyone ever again. Mm. I didn't even want to speak to my children. As heartbreaking as that sounds mm. now, and I don't mean it. I didn't mean it in a in a horrible way. I just didn't want to ever face anybody again. And I didn't actually want to face myself anymore. I was running from myself as well. I got in the car and headed down the M3 and um, hit a shitload of traffic and started to get a bit of anxiety. Well, quite heavy anxiety at this point. I was like, I can't sit in this car Mm -hmm. and this traffic. And there was um, the service stations at Frimley. I'm going there, I'm gonna get in a hotel room and I'm gonna get absolutely smashed. Um, and um, I knew it and that's exactly what I thought you know and that's exactly what I did I parked up the car um, still very disorientated I can't really I- explain and I can't even relate no, I can't relate to what I felt actually I can't conjure up the emotion I know that anger was there but there was it was so much more than that um, I booked in the the um, The hotel room, I saw behind reception that they had alcohol. I was smoking at the time. Again, Mm -hmm. another crazy bad habit, fitness trainer, smoking a lot as Mm -hmm. well. And um, bought a load of beers, went up to the room, drank a couple of beers and went to sleep. And um, when I woke up, I was kind of, um, again, in the same state of mind. I wanted to just destruct. And that was it. And that was what I had in my mind. So I went out of the room and went to the into the service area, bought a couple of bottles of wine to add to the beers that I'd already drank and just started getting drunk. And I don't want to go into the real um, horrific the details side of, yeah. of this because I just don't think it's appropriate. But basically... I deteriorated rapidly, rapidly in that room, caused great harm to myself in that room. Mm -hmm. Um, And when I was found, um, eventually, you know, there was a lot to it. And unfortunately, um, you know, this whole whirlwind of what happened in there included my fiance coming in, and seeing me in a in a bad state on the mm. bed and there was literally smashed glass all around the room there was blood all around the room in the bathroom on the floor on the sheets and um she found me she came in and um she relayed this to me mm. That i basically just told her you have to get out you have to leave this room um you're not safe and that's all i kept saying to her and she got really scared and she ran out the room, and bless her, and uh, thank God that she was just so quick thinking. I don't know how. She yeah. took the, the one main bit of broken glass that was of, of, of a threat to me. She took it out as she left. And as she left, I smashed up the whole hotel room completely. Shortly after that, police, ambulances, and say no more. Um, I was carted off in an ambulance to the hospital. And um yeah, and that was that really I was I was stitched up and um sewn up and um I saw, I mean, like, this is when I first realized the flaws of the whole mental health thing, how yeah. how badly it's handled in in the um in the NHS. and I don't mean this to because it, it, it isn't it isn't they're, they're at a hospital level you've got to understand I'd gone into I'd gone into a um, hospital with injuries that I'd given to myself. Yeah. Clearly, I was not right, no. and they literally just sewed me up and sent me away with, with nothing really. Right. Um, I was left outside. My dad and my fiance came to pick me up the day after, and I was just lying out on a bench outside the hospital. Mm. And they were disgusted by that, obviously. And my dad had then, you know, down the line complained and written a letter, or whatever. But but that was that. Um, um, unfortunately for me and everyone you know it was a trauma for everybody my children and, and family but they at that time obviously thought potentially that I was okay uh, you know what I'd done what I'd done and you and know obviously the end of it
1: thinking yeah that yeah,
0: this was it now obviously not... we'll get you better Tom don't worry and but I knew in myself still at that time something was wrong mm-hmm. I couldn't quite put my finger on what it was um, but something was wrong and um, I felt Scared of myself now that I've done what I did. I'm like, Jesus, I can't, I can't mm. believe I'm capable of what i just done. Um, I never would have envisaged that for myself. And and I still had a certain feeling in me. And it was two days later, I'd seen my children. Um, and that was very, very upsetting because mm. they, they didn't know exactly what had gone on, but they knew something was yeah. wrong with their dad. And you can understand how heartbreaking that was. I missed my um, Caitlin's. Birthday, which was um, just heartbreaking for me because I'd planned it with her and it meant a lot to her. And I'd missed it because of what I did. Um, So that was all going through my head. That was all just, it was a lot of pain still, so much pain inside me, so much anger still inside me, so much I was ashamed, I was embarrassed. Mm -hmm. You know, all of this emotion was just killing me inside still. Um, So much raw, hard emotion. And two days later, I dropped my kids back to their mum. And the moment I dropped them back, I did this thing and it probably, it was crazy, I suppose, but it sounds crazy. I, pulled, I had a hoodie on mm. and I pulled it over my head. And I remember this quite clearly. I dropped them off, pulled the hoodie right over my head and there it stayed. And it stayed there. I got taken home. And again, don't need to go into details, but flipped again. There was no alcohol this time involved. No substance involved at it. all. I was completely unintoxicated and, and not relaxed, but mm. um, like I say, not intoxicated. I completely flipped, um, sh- smashed up a few things in my parents' house. They were scared, called the police, the police came and again, Hoodie was still pulled over the head and. I knew they made it aware of me that the police had had come so I basically stood up didn't have any shoes on and just walked straight past them out the door and started walking down the street without my shoes on. Um, after that point that that point I recollect quite quite well even though I was in a bizarre state of mind I can mm. always remember that quite clearly. After that was a was a complete blur and you got to understand that this was kind of early on in the evening. And the next point I remember of time was when I was being confronted by someone in a, in a, in a hospital f- for the mentally ill mm-hmm. in Reading. And the woman was asking me some questions and I'd, I'd had my hood down still and I looked at her face. I said, what's the time? It was like three o'clock in the morning. I'd gone from like nine o'clock in the morning to three o'clock in the morning. I don't even have a clue to this day still where that time went. And they assessed me and um, asked me a few questions and they deemed that I was not safe at that point to be out in the public. So that was when I was sectioned under the Mental Health Act, which I didn't have a clue even what that meant, to be honest. Mm. At that time, I only relayed to you now that I know that that's what it is. They just, they deem you not to be safe. So they say, you can't leave. So that was that, and um, I began my stay well, you know, three days ago I'm working in a gym and <laughs> and um, people are looking at me as Mr. Motivator still. No one even had a clue. No one had a single clue. All and right. then three days later, and that, that's how dramatic it is. And it's where a lot of my my fire comes from now because you can hide as much as you want to hide mm-hmm. and you can lie as much as you want to lie to yourself, but you will get found out whether it be that you collapse mentally, whether it be that you have a stroke, Mm. whether it be that you get diagnosed with type one diabetes, whether you have a heart attack, you will get found out. You cannot hide from bad habits, but you can lie and you can say you're fine. And I said I was fine and I said I was cool and I told everyone I was cool and everyone I was fine and that drugs was acceptable. And I paid the price in the biggest, biggest way possible. Mm. And it was the biggest eye-opener for me to mental health, my my stay in hospital, which was at Reading and then was at Frimley, um, because I was surrounded by it and I learned about it. I realized that some people are seriously, seriously sick. But with me, I realized that it was purely self-inflicted. And without knowing it then, with that knowledge, Unstoppable mindset was born from that. Absolutely, from that. It wasn't created at
1: that point, but no. that started the idea of a, a chain of, of events. Because you that, had like a, about from then, would you say another maybe twelve months? Absolutely of recovery. Of recovery yeah. Absolutely books building it up. And absolutely, because I didn't come over here. I wasn't involved in any of the training sessions at that That's time. That's right.
0: Which I wasn't really actually. I had a young girl working for me, Morgan. Right. Who actually had stepped in, and I thank, I thank God for her. She saved my business. Yeah, business. I thank her deeply. Yeah. If she ever, if she ever watches this, um, to this day I hold, you know, a, a great um, appreciation for her in my heart for mm-hmm. what she did. Because if it wasn't for her, I would have definitely lost the business. Yeah. I was out of it for a long time. Yeah. So she stepped in whilst I was in hospital, which was a very hard thing to do for her. She was only young, only just qualified very nervous. So she stepped in, she kept the business going and I was out of action for a long time whilst I was recovering. Um, and uh, I actually thought about contemplating leaving because for me, the fitness industry was partly responsible for my breakdown because it wasn't partly responsible. I just, at that time, I held it responsible because I'm thinking, oh, the fitness industry has led me to yeah. want to have to look a certain way and that's what led me to to be, you know, to to end up Mm -hmm. You know, near dead, you know, near dead because I couldn't, I had to live up to a certain persona and I was sick and tired of living up to that certain persona and I thought, I don't want to go back now. I knew at that point, I knew years was finished. I could never go back. In my mind, they were 80%, I I believe 80% um, accountable for my downfall without question. And if anyone watching this knows anyone taking steroids, if anyone watching this is taking steroids, they are the most toxic and poisonous thing you can do. Mm-hmm. And there's a hell of a lot of people I know that take them that are actually addicted to them because yeah. you become so um, physically addicted, you have to look a certain way. You don't like losing weight. And no. the fact of the matter is, as soon as you stop taking steroids, you do lose the weight. And that's a fact. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, my recovery, um, uh, kicked off, I had a, a young girl, Morgan, she was working for me. When I eventually ventured back in, it was a slow journey back in, really. I kind of eased myself back in, but it, it wasn't there for me. You know, it, it, my heart wasn't in it as such. Mm-hmm. Um, until the uh, Lulworth Cove journey.
1: That's right. Which You were no runner. I was no runner. I, I doing... dabbled in it. I, yeah, I dabbled. Know in your it. Boxing and stuff. Yeah, you know, I'd always dabbled boxing in boxing, and you, you know, used to take me on some horrible hill runs. Yeah, exactly. So you know, I training. Yeah, I'd always loved it, but I, don't I think think couldn't do you've it. You've never done any kind of race? No, right? not not seriously. So... No,
0: I'd done one. I'd done one hell run and one tough Monday. That was all. And the hell run at the time, I did it half heartedly because I, I mean, two days before it, I was taking drugs. So, yeah. you know what I mean? So yeah, I and wasn't. Race... I wasn't serious. I wasn't a committed runner. Oh, what's, what's the race called again? So endurance life is endurance the company, at, and the race I undertook was at Low World And that World Cup. was your
1: first, first race, right?
0: That was my first race, but but the, so the reason behind doing it though was because I was having problems with my toe, um, which was growing the nut around the knuckle, right? Um, part of the toe, the joint, um, was was starting to flare up and swell up and get very stiff. I didn't have a clue what it was, um. So obviously, thought it was getting worse and worse. I thought I better get it checked out. I'd had a couple of consultants look at it, um, it. That was and at the time, when I was seeing them, it wasn't related to that. They they were looking at that, saying yeah, I think it might be arthritis. I think it might be this. I thought okay, I'll get it checked out. I did. Um, I was expecting it to be something pretty minor. Me being me, thinking it'll be all right. And um, he basically looked at it and said, yeah, you got stage three arthritis you can't really do any impact training anymore. It will speed up the mm-hmm. um, degeneration of the joint and so on and so on. So I was like, oh great. I needed that. I was kind of six months into my recovery. I was trying to be upbeat and then yeah. I kind of got that little thing and I love my training and I love high impact. I love kind of, you know, doing the kind of the, the harder stuff that, you know, the burpees say and that kind of <laughs> training, I love all that. So to, to, to say that, it, you, you know, he was knocking that on the head. I thought, do you know what? I'm not really going to listen to that. I'm going to start running. <laughs> and um, I thought, I'm not just gonna start running, I'm gonna, gonna start running up and down cliffs.
1: And enter this yeah. sick race.
0: So, yeah, it was a 16 mile, it's the, it's a half marathon on their books, but it's their only half marathon, it's actually longer, it's 16. Mm. 16 miles in Lulworth Cove with sort of three and a half thousand feet ascents up yeah. and down the cliffs around Durdle Door.
1: That's right, because I went to Durdle Door around about the same time, uh, yeah. sorry, in the same year, just as a weekend trip. And when you told me about it, I've seen them clips. I didn't think there was anywhere you could walk up them, let alone try and run up them. Yeah. And yeah, you've well, you got a 16 mile run.
0: Exactly, and and it was a very good friend of mine um, who was a client at the time, and now we've become very good friends, Mike Edchill, who comes here, he's training, still trains with me. He he actually told me about the door race in passing in the gym, and I didn't pay any attention but I oddly had these two dreams about this place called Durdle Door. And I kept thinking, hang on a minute, I don't know I don't know a place <laughs> called Durdle Door. And I kept thinking, that's weird, having this dream about this beach and this weird sculpture on a beach. Mm. And it kept playing on my mind. So one day I, I had the dream for the second time and I thought that's just too weird. I Googled Durdle Door and this picture of a beach came up with this, oh, I think, oh, hang on a minute, yeah. that's strange. So I rang my <laughs> fiance, I said, babe, I've had this dream about a place I've never been to. Um, she says, no, you're mad. So someone must have said it. And I kind of mm. really started thinking, thinking. I was like, Mike did say something about a place. And I approached him the next day. He said, yeah, I told you about that. I said, damn, I had two dreams about it. Really vivid. Mm. After that, I was set. I'm going running there. It kind of, for me, it was a sign. Don't know why I just took it as that. It kind of just was playing in my head. Right, I'm, I'm entering the race. And I did. Started running. Knew that I was going to have problems with my type. I knew that from the start because it was it was painful just to walk. So I started doing these runs and I was running four miles and, um, Again, the running journey, obviously, I will stress, is is very significant because I had such bad issues with weight in the past. I could never really run mm. for a long period. You know, for, it would always last two, three months, and I'd stop yeah. because I, I'd and lose. And not because
1: you was overweight and you were struggling to run because of the fact that you didn't want to. lose weight. I just didn't want to lose weight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is totally the opposite. To yeah, yeah, I mean.
0: yeah, exactly. And I wasn't. I was in good shape. It was just like, like lose for me. Losing one pound yeah. was devastating. Right, uh, psychologically, really bad. I would. i like, have to binge on food. I so wish I had that problem I'm, right, now. Yeah, <laughs> right uh, <laughs> I would, I would embark on on this running journey now for the first time knowing that I was gonna lose weight and I was gonna have to deal with it and I was gonna have to get round it and I was gonna have to face life now and get fit and get strong without steroids, without any help. And I wasn't gonna ease any, any, any stress with recreational drugs. So it was a new journey for me. Mm-hmm. So the running, I knew I was gonna have problems and sure enough, I did. Um, I had a lot of pain initially in the foot um, yeah. and it, it, that transferred up through the leg. Um, once I started hitting the bigger miles, once I started passing sort of six, seven, eight miles, I started to get problem with my right hip. Yeah. So obviously the the right it's the right foot that was compromised. So the right hip started causing so your problems. Are yeah,
1: yeah, off yeah. Of course, there,
0: yeah. my running tech my technique was off. Where the toe didn't bend, my foot was starting to to roll out. Mm. Um, so I was putting a lot of weight on the outside of the foot, which I was very concerned about in terms of obviously injury to the foot. But I had, again, my goals set on this um, run and finishing the run and and that's what I did. And the journey was, uh, might sound a bit over the top, but it it was a spiritual one for me because I was running when I just didn't want to run. I got to the kind of 10 mile stints and I was like, I've never run 10 miles before out on the road training. I'd only ever done 10Ks in training. So I started to feel really, really good like, okay, I'm starting to feel quite mentally strong here. I I, I never really wanted to do it. I kind yeah. of re- resented it almost. I um, thought, I'm just too tired. I can't be bothered to go out running. And, but I kept doing it, kept doing it. Mm-hmm. Foot was killing me, hip was killing me. You know, knee was hurting. I'd started seeing a physio about this and about that. And um, was thinking maybe I might not even be able to run. My hip was hurting that bad. But I got through all of it. Um, because I was so focused on getting to this goal and getting to this run. I worked my way around it. I found a way around it. Mm -hmm. I started foam rolling my legs and just looking after myself in a different way that I'd never, ever done before. Um, So fast forward, run after run, hit the 12, hit the 13, hit the 14 miles. Each mile that was added, I got mentally stronger and stronger. Mm there was one day in particular, it was raining, it was cold, and I thought, I do not want to run. And I think I ran a 17 miles out on the road, which I'd never ever done before. And that was like a turning point for me. I started to think, God, you 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 actually are quite strong. You, you know, you can you can achieve mm-hmm. things when you don't want to do it. So I got to the run in Lulworth Cove and completed the 16 miles. In the most beautiful setting, which in itself was a really like kind of a uh, uplifting Mm. spiritual turning point for me. I got to the finishing line. I'd Done exceptionally well. I think I came about 45th out of about 500 at the time, which for a first 16 mile run, I was happy with that. Yeah, f- at your age, too. At my age, <laughs> we don't have to mention the <laughs> <upper> <laughs> age, right? No, uh, but it was, like, yeah, no, absolutely. You know, how many people no, 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 late
1: 30s. Oh, 100%. No, listen, uh, I'm under no illusion. Don't ever run, yeah, absolutely. Take up running, yeah, yeah. Uh, go out and do the 16 mile of that particular, not of not yeah. flat road race, uh, uh, you know, the uh, increments. Yeah, uh, yeah, 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 heavy. Them cliffs. Yeah. And and to come 40. Yeah, yeah. 45th, I think it was.
0: No, I think it was 42nd. It was either 42nd or 45th. It was somewhere around there. Um, No, I was really happy with it and elated. And yes, definitely starting at a later age, obviously 37 at the time, with injury, with problems, probably shouldn't have been doing it. You know, my physio, um, Martin O'Connell of of Symmetry um, Clinic in Shepperton. You know, he's obviously been part of the journey in, ter- in, in terms of keeping me upright, mm. and he's helped me a lot. And he's given me advice sometimes. You know, he said you might have to reconsider certain things. Blah, blah blah blah. But I've always gone with my heart, and he's obviously always supported that. And he and he likes that about you know over the way I work, and I just rely on him heavily for really helping me through it. And he has. So you know, it was um, you know I got I got through it despite all the kind of problems, and it was a probably a few. I don't know, a week or a month after that run, I thought, do you know what? I need to take the principles of what I just did over that running experience and that training camp, and I need to apply that to my life. Yeah. And that's exactly what I did. And ever since then, my life has gone from strength to strength and strength because all I did was take a mindset, which was unstoppable in the sense that I embarked on a journey. I wanted to get to a goal and nothing got in my way. The foot was a problem that caused problems through my body, mm-hmm. but none of it stopped me. Um, I actually had a bad back incidence before that run as well, which nearly stopped me from doing the run. It certainly stopped me from doing a run after that. Um, but I just worked around it all with this kind of like, just stubbornness mm. about me that I had to do it. I, inside me, there was something inside me that said, you have to do this. And it was a blessing for me that run and it, it, it It contributed to a life-changing event. It contributed to a mindset that I started to develop and cultivate that turned into Unstoppable Mindset, the business. Um, And once Unstoppable Mindset, the business, the name came about, then everything's just gone boom. Me and you spoke over Christmas, which was a a phone call out of the blue, wasn't it? Yeah. I can't remember. Was it to do some... It it was it was to do with nothing related to what we were about to venture into, and before we knew it, me and you was working on this project, filming a video at Lowworth Cove. Yep, you (laughs) were trekking up and down (laughs) stairs,
1: moaning. You were nearly drowned in with the big waves crashing into, smashing up against the uh, rocks in the sea. That's it. Um, and then uh, I think you did your very first kind of like seminar. You done a little talk with about maybe eight of us. Yeah, part yeah. Related, part well again, again, that
0: was before Unstoppable had come about. Obviously, once I'd done once I'd done the run, then I started to write about what I'd gone through over Christmas. That was all. I just sat down for some reason. Mm. And and this is again, this is a, a really strange thing because people talk about, you know, uh you know, law of attraction and you know, seeing and believing and if you visualize something kind of like the information comes to you. You know, if you have a belief in something, the know of how to do it comes to you. So if you have a goal and you really believe in that goal, you don't know how you're gonna get there, but you don't need to know how, the how comes to you. And I absolutely 100% believe in that. I started to write about what I'd gone through for no reason I just started to put it down on paper I don't know why it just came over me to do it when I looked it out on paper I thought well that's a really good story that could resonate with people you know you've got a guy that lived a life of bad habits and bad choices and then turned himself around and Mm -hmm. at that time I'd only just started to turn myself around to be honest but I had nonetheless turned myself around so I wrote it down and I literally spent the whole of Christmas writing writing Endless bits of paper, um, well, it was on, obviously, Microsoft Word, typing and typing and mm-hmm. typing. Hadn't been on a laptop for years. And um, put it out there to my customers, gonna do a seminar for 20, well, it wasn't even called a seminar because no, I, right. I, I, I was full of self-doubt. I just called it a forum or something. Yeah. Um, and people were like, yeah, we'll come. I don't know, 20-odd people there, um, nice. read off paper. Yep. And I had people fairly gripped for three hours straight. Which I was surprised about, and I didn't know how it was going to go down, and um, it went down amazing. People were yeah, yeah. People were taken by it. I then obviously we'd been talking anyway. Mm -hmm. You came to the second one. I think I was at the first one. Oh well, well, there was two though. You or you maybe you came to the second one as well because it was the second one you bought Siobhan. That's and right. you bought your friend. That's right,
1: Steve. Yeah, yeah,
0: Steve. Yeah, that was the second one. Oh, okay. Which was less people. Right. And that was just a few weeks later, oh, in February. But um, so we started talking about it just as a concept, the seminar thing. Mm. We, uh, you know, we knew that there was flaws, and I had a lot of work to do yeah. in terms of not reading enough paper for starters. But it was very raw. And then obviously we'd start working on the video, and then the name Unstoppable came about. And, and, the um, logo. Uh, huh?
1: <laughs> and then the logo to go with it yeah
0: and then the logo which you know again Mark Brooks of Brooks Studios <laughs> everything visually is, is been part of what he's done and his input which you know again our, mm. t- our team our, our, our teamwork our partnership you want to say has just been like unstoppable. <laughs> it's been unstoppable absolutely but it's been easy mm. in the sense that i said to you right i've got this i got this and we haven't i haven't that unstoppable was the first one that was the first one you said what about this one boom that's it the- when you come to the video and and everything what about the music the track that's it that's it you showed me a couple of clips that is it everything mm. just has, has just gone perfectly we've never like gone back and said You know, I mean, there's things we've had to develop and get and get better at and 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 work on. But yeah, because this is like our third take. It just (laughs) all emerged. Yeah, exactly, (laughs) exactly. It just emerged so fast and so quick. And I believe that it was out of this 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 vision and this goal and this vision and this goal behind Unstoppable has been to save people from themselves. Mm. And if and if I have to really sum up. Unstoppable, and what it means is, is that is people need saving from themselves. They need waking up to the reality that they are gonna run into problems if they carry on the way they're going. Right. And it also means, and I've said this now numerous times, um, because this is what it kind of you know as it's developed. This is, this is what it's um, you know, turned into for me, a deeper meaning of fighting. I realized through, through my own journey that for me to stay the way I am, which is so much, so positive now, and I have such a great outlook on life and things are so good and I see, I see the great in everything, I see the opportunity in everything, but I have to fight, I have to fight on a daily basis to maintain it. And you have to keep growing as a person. You have to keep growing as a character. You can't stay, you can't stand still. Mm. Because in this society, I do believe, and again, I say this repeatedly at seminars, if you stand still for just a second, this society will suck you down straight away. Because it is just designed and set for ill health. For you to be healthy, for you to be positive, and for you to do the right thing, is actually hard work. Mm -hmm. For me to kick back and have a beer and do a line of Coke and to spark up a cigarette and to go down there and get McDonald's, that's easy. And that's why so many people do it because we are by nature, um, you know, we, we will look for the easy. No one wants to be uncomfortable every single day. And I would say now that's exactly what I am. And my life now is harder than what it was mm. because I'm busier and trying to work your way to the top, you gotta to be on it every single day, alert every single day, awake every single day. So it's harder, but the reward and my life is, is better. Mm. So, so, so my life and the processes I go through is hard, but the reward is so much mm. greater, which makes everything better. Mm. As whereas my life before it was easier in the sense, I didn't have to face any problems in life. Mm. I was just switching off all the time and drinking and taking drugs. But then the, the, the repercussions of that were deadly and were much, much mm-hmm. harder, were painful in fact. So yeah, I mean, Unstoppable now, it's 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 growing, it's bigger. Yep. We've developed the seminars, we've developed the video stuff.
1: Massively helping people, and, and massively. And, and um, seriously and helping people. 14 months on, there's people who've been in the program, the 14 months. Some more recent than f- others. What well, the
0: fourteen-day pro- challenge,
1: you mean? No, yeah, doing the whole. The oh, whole, over the know, whole process. Doing the seminars. Oh, and yeah, and over the last year training and doing yeah, yeah, dieting plan. Uh, the some you know following a diet plan. Yeah, that yeah, way, we'll, or, we'll, that's or, it too. Yeah, and abs- stuff. yeah, absolutely. Um, no doubt, we're gonna have the clients on this show. A hundred percent. I mean, um, after after this, it
0: is literally a case about getting these people. We, you know, the videos again that you put together. Or that we put together, but you know, obviously, you you perfected in terms of what people saw as a product and product. They're your stories. Yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, I totally believe in that concept, and I actually, I feel that we could all learn a lot from each other. That's right. Yeah, I feel that we can learn a lot more from each other because actually, I'm tired of just seeing these kind of like, you know, maybe that maybe they're hiding some some truths themselves, but you know, certain. Um, information that comes through in the industry certain information that comes through in the industry is is too it is confusing but it's also given out by people that are are seemingly perfect maybe yeah and and i want to know i want to know and 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 what i tried to do at the beginning of 2017 was to try and find out can real people with real struggles can they change Mm -hmm. from a point in their lives where it seems that it's it would be very hard to do so. And and I'm proud to say it's it's proven with with an unstoppable mindset and with that coaching and with the seminars, with the kickstart 14 day challenge and, um, and with a desire from the individual and it has to be a desire, a strong desire to change. It can be done. It's definitely not easy and very, very hard, but it can be done. And the way it can be done is with fighting
1: yeah. every day. Well, on another day we will uh, go into more detail of Absolutely. the actual programs yeah. and how they work. Yeah, uh, the fourteen-day challenge. Yeah, um, probably with with you know, like say the yeah. clients or people by by with, people yeah. that have done it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I know you have got a few of them uh, all running the uh, endurance life race next. Yeah, again, next it's week. it's amazing how people are <laughs> some running of them races. Never, again, never running ran. Hot. Yeah, you know, and I've seen some of your clients who have. I didn't realise that the battles they were going on and, you know, they had personal battles and, you know, they've done so well over them 12 months or 14 months and, four and a half the before and after pitches have been, you know, amazing. I um, you see you got them all up on your wall in the gym. Um, be good to get them on here.
0: 100%, yeah, and I look forward to that and um, hopefully um, that will inspire anyone listening to also embark on the same journey and... Keep an eye out for the seminars in the future because it can be a great kickstart for for anyone out there to give up smoking, change their lifestyle, and just change their life. That's it. All right.
1: Thank you. Thank you.